So today is Palm Sunday. In the history of the church, the calendar, Palm Sunday is traditionally the Sunday that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. A week before his passion and his crucifixion, they began to cheer and to exclaim as he came into the city, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the cheers were going up. And from Sunday school, you remember the little kids all waved palm branches and people were excited about the coming king that was entering Jerusalem. Their Messiah was here. And so the crowd got louder and louder. And you can imagine, they, they took off their coats and they laid them out in the street like a makeshift carpet of honor as they heard that Jesus was coming and the Messiah was coming. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when they got close, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in. And they saw him riding in on a donkey. <laughs> Nobody was expecting that. Listen, I don't know if you've ever thought about how awkward it looks for a grown man to ride on a donkey. <laughs> you've seen this movie Shrek, okay? It's not the noble steed, but I mean, Jesus came in riding on a donkey and they did not expect that and they were confused. And I imagine as Jesus went down the street, the cries got quieter. Now the kids didn't know any different. The kids are excited. It's a party and we're waving palm branches and it's Jesus who healed the sick and who raised the dead and the kids get it. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the adults are going, shh, remember they started to... You, stop, stop, don't say that. And the Pharisees said, why would they say such a thing? And then Jesus does something they don't expect, and he says, no, no, let them sing and let them shout because if they don't say what they're saying, the very rocks will say what needs to be said because I am who they say that I am. Nobody expected him to say that. Nobody expected this awkward, humble, very meek procession to culminate at the temple where Jesus would get off the donkey and then he would wrap a rope into a whip and then with total confidence and boldness begin to walk in and with great power and authority start overturning tables and driving out the corruption and driving out the money changers and those who had desecrated the house of God from being a house of prayer into a den of thieves and he's saying out. And nobody saw that authority and that kind of power, just the juxtaposition of humility to confidence Nobody would imagine that by the end of the week, nobody expected that those cries of Hosanna would, would be crucify him, crucify him by Friday. Nobody would have expected that those closest to him, his disciples that followed him for three years would all flee and run and his closest disciple Peter would deny him. And nobody would have expected that by Friday, Jesus Christ would have willingly laid down his life and given it for all of them and for you and me. You see, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the message of Palm Sunday really is this. Jesus does not do what you expect. That's the message of Palm Sunday, and he's saying that same thing to you today, and that's actually the message of Jesus to this world every day. I am not who you think that I am, and I am not what you expect. In fact, the whole message of the Bible is so different than what our world expects today. Go out and ask 50 people at random in our community what is the message of the Bible and what the real message is is so different than what they would expect. That's what I've been trying to communicate to you over the last several months, that following Jesus is so counterintuitive to the world system, it defies our understanding he is not what we expect, and becoming like Jesus and becoming conformed into his image is so different than what we originally expect that the message of the Bible can be summarized in one verse 
which I've been reading to you over and over, which is this, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I can take that verse and shorten it into a shorter sentence. The subject and the verb of that verse, God so loved the world that he gave. Those two words, he, God, because of his love, gave. That's the verb. That's the subject of the Bible, and that's the verb of the Bible, God gave. And it's all about giving. Everything's about giving. You cannot follow Jesus in any way without encountering the underlying principle that it's all about giving. If I were to talk to you about marriage today, it would be about two people who have decided to sacrificially give themselves to one another. That's what makes a healthy marriage. We can't talk about faith because, without talking about giving because I'm giving my trust to someone or to God. If we're gonna talk about mercy, someone deserved judgment, but I gave mercy instead. We wanna talk about grace. Grace is a gift that I receive freely. If you wanna talk about prayer, I'm giving my attention and my focus and my energy to God. You wanna talk about the fact that we're all here today because God gave his only begotten son. Where would you be today had Jesus not given his life? And where would you be had you not given your life to him? Talk about forgiveness. A decision, instead of making them pay, I'm canceling the debt and I'm forgiving. I'm giving in advance to you before you ever pay me back. Forgiving. I mean, it's all about giving. And if the goal of the Christian life is to become like God, there is, there's nothing more we are more like God when we give than at any other time. In fact, if you've ever prayed the prayer, God, make me like Jesus, we'll give. Because that is the heart of God. God so loved the world that he gave. 1 John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become a child of God. To those who would believe in his name, he gave. And the Bible tells us that God doesn't just give to good people. Jesus said in Luke 6 that he gives uh, to, he, he's so generous and gives to the grateful and the unthankful. Romans says that while we were still sinners, God in his great love gave Jesus to die for us. So Jesus would say in Matthew 10, he would say, freely you have received the grace of God, the gift of God, the forgiveness of God, freely you have received, freely give. I'm telling you, friends, it's all about giving, and that's what's so unexpected in this culture because that's what God has done for you. If you've been born again, you were born with a selfish heart, and you've been born again with a heart of God. And everything about the spiritual journey is the movement from one to the other that God is moving your mind to match the heart that he's given you because your mind has been shaped by this world that says it's all about you and protect you and protect yours and hold on and, and watch out. You don't know what's coming and you have to protect yourself and take care of yourself because no one else is looking after you and Jesus is saying, wait, 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 I gave my very life for you. Trust me, I, I have you. Give and it shall be given back to you. Press down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured back into your lap and the measure with which you give, it'll be all given back to you.
trust me. The movement of a Christian life is so unexpected, but it's taking us from a selfish heart that we had even as a toddler, and God is opening us up. And he's opening us up not only in our own lives, but he's trying to do something in the lives of families and to break what's going on in generations. Whole families know nothing but grabbing and clenching and fighting and and grasping. And what if you're the one that God would say, I want to change your heart so I can change an entire generation? What about a group of people that come together in my name who get this? What can they do when they come together and they see it's not really about us, it's for your kingdom and those who are not here yet? It's all about giving. The transformation of the Holy Spirit that Jesus wants to do is to move us to be like Jesus, and we're most like him when we give. And so I want to walk you through a passage of verses that I found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And if you take out your outline and just take a look at these or follow along on the screen or write out some notes, this is King David as he leads his people to give an offering for the building of the house of the Lord. And I resonate so deeply with David as I read these verses and how they deal uh, with joy and they deal with gratitude and willingness. As he leads people to build the house of the Lord, verse three, let's start there. We'll skip through some of these verses. David says, moreover, because I have set my affection. Now those are some powerful words. I have set the affection of my heart on the house of my God. He's not talking about the building, and he's not talking about the structure or the landscaping or how beautiful it is or what it's going to look like. He's talking about something that goes on inside the house of God where the presence of God is. I have set my affection on what God does in people's lives when they encounter the presence of God. And he wrote about it over and over in the Psalms, that in his presence is fullness of joy. There is hope, there is healing, there's forgiveness, that God does something great in the lives of people as they encounter him and they hear his word. I have set my affection on the house of my God, and because I've done this, I now give over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house of my own special treasure. I told you a story a few weeks ago about a man in my own small group, and I don't even recognize who he used to be. John, you're probably here today, but a life of crime and a life of brokenness, and to watch who he is today and to watch him suffer through just the consequences, and he needed a new liver, and he prayed for it, and it was a long time coming, and do you remember this story? And we prayed for him, and then he said, I think what God is saying to me is forgive. And he forgave his brother he hadn't spoke to in 30 years. And the very next day after he called his brother and forgave him, God gave him that new liver. He needed a new liver and God was waiting on him to deal with his heart. And John got that liver and he's recovered and he's probably here today. And he's been thriving and growing. And I I think about what God, I I think about a throwaway life that meant nothing in this world. And I think about how God is going to use John in the future and what he's gonna do through him and the power of this one life. See, friends, we have set our affection on that. We set our affection not on what we're going to accomplish. We set our affection on people. We set our affection on people who are far from God. Some of you who are here today that you would never be here had it not been for God one day just waking you up and you walked into God's presence and you couldn't explain it, but he he did something in your heart and your life. And we've baptized people by the hundreds and hundreds We set our affection, and the reason why we build other campuses and the reason why we start other churches and why we're doing these initiatives is because at the end of the day, we want to see 
the lives of people changed by the power of God. Can somebody say amen to that? So that's what our love lead launch offering has been all about. And that's what David said. When I considered and when I thought about what was affecting my heart in the house of God, I decided to give, he says, over and above all that I had planned to do before. When God stirred his heart, he decided to give over and above. And that's what we've been trying to inspire you to do, that all of us are at different places on our spiritual journey. There's not one of us the same, and you should never compare yourself to anybody else. But that wherever you are, the, 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 the inspiring motivation was this. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, will you give over and above that place? And are you willing to do that for the kingdom of God? We're all at different places. In fact, you might remember this from the magazine that we gave to you and we asked you to pray about. Take a look at this little diagram, this little ladder, where you have people who have never given before. It's the first time or they're just occasionally doing it. They may only once in a while, but they're at that level. And we've said, how about moving and being consistent? And how about moving to a sense of, how about those who are consistent saying, why don't you move and be a consistent giver and start to even tithe. And you know, the tithing, the people that start to do that and they recognize that everything comes from God and it all belongs to him and they start to give and bring back the first 10% of everything that God gives to them and they come into the blessing of God and he protects them and he provides for them and he opens up the windows of heaven and blesses them in ways they can't imagine, rebukes the devourer. There's some people at that level that we've even said, how about moving even beyond that and setting yourself apart and becoming an extravagant, exceptional giver. Well, thanks for putting that up. I want to take that down and then just talk to you for a second. Giving over and above, David was at that spot where he was saying, after all that I planned to do, because he'd moved through all of those stages, and he was now at this moment when, as one who tithed and gave, he said, considering all that I've done, I'm willing now to even give over and above. And look what he begins to talk about in these verses. In verse 5, you get to see the heart of David. He says... Um, who then is willing? And I want you to see how many times the word willing comes through these passages. Who then is willing to consecrate himself or set himself apart or move to the next level? Who's willing to be exceptional this day to the Lord? Then the leaders of the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the officers over the king's work. Basically, all of the leaders offered willingly. And when the people saw this in verse nine, then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart or a, or a trusting heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. And when King David saw what the leaders did and what the people did, his heart also rejoiced greatly. And then in verse 14, he has this moment of awe because he sees what God's people did and he sees a window into their hearts and he says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? And he breaks into gratitude and says, really God, for all things come from you and of your own we have given you. In other words, we've only given to you what you've given to us. And then in verse 17, I know also, my God, that you test the heart. You have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, notice again, I have willingly offered 
all of these things, and now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. See, I know what David feels like. I know exactly what he feels like. As I've sat and I've wrote out hundreds and hundreds of thank you notes, many of you who gave in advance and who filled out cards and just simply let us know the intention of your heart, and hey, I'm willing, I was overwhelmed with awe, I was humbled, I was inspired, I just wanna say I love you, I am so proud of who you are and what you're letting God do in your lives. Truly, there is no church that I know in America that I know that is as generous as you guys are. Wayne Schmidt said it yesterday, you don't even know, you think this is normal, it is not normal. This is one of the most generous churches he knows, I know we've ever seen what God, and we're just getting started. And I have this great joy in my heart as I look into the window of your heart where I see people who've simply said, you know, because all we did was we said, tell us what you're willing to do. Would you let us know? It wasn't even a vow or a pledge like we're gonna hold you to it. It was simply, we wanna be able to plan and we wanna lead and here's what God's putting on our hearts and what are you willing to do? And people by the hundreds just simply said, we're willing in a financial way to say that we're all in. And I was blown away. And I am just the luckiest pastor in America to be able to lead a group of people so willing like this. You see, I recognize we're all at different places too. It has nothing to do with amounts. It has to do with how people sacrificed at every level. And I know some of you are still at that place where you're, you're praying it through and you're thinking about it. And some of you are saying, well, I'm willing, but I don't have a job right now and God sees your heart. And there are people who are saying, you know, I want to, but I'm, I'm struggling. And you know, you can take your time because that's where you are. God is at work in the lives of people in this church is what I'm saying. And I see the spirit of God moving and I know what he's going to do as he moves our heart from places of individualism and selfishness to generosity and blessing and how it can use us. And I'm just so full of joy for that. And it's why we give. It's why we give. And it's so counterintuitive. This world only knows giving to need. Somebody stands up and says, well, here's a need, and people say, well, we should do something about that. But following, the followers of Jesus have a different motivation. And their motivation is this, we want to. We want to be like Jesus. We wanna have his heart. We want our children to have his heart. And we wanna become like him. And we do so willingly. This idea of willingness, not under compulsion or pressure or in a grudging way, but just a willing spirit is all the way through the scripture. Look at a few others in Exodus chapter 35, verse five, when they were building the first tabernacle to the Lord. Listen to what, the, they, what it says. Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Look at this. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Verse 21 of that same chapter. Then everyone who's heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing. They brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for its service, for everything that was holy. Verse 22, they came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. Isn't that incredible? Verse 29 of the same chapter, the children of Israel brought a free will offering, a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts, look again, were willing to bring material of all kinds for the work. 
talk a lot about the free will of man and how you're free to do what you want and you've got the free choice. And listen, every time you find this word free will in the Bible, all 18 times, you'll find the word offering after the word free will. Every time. And you know why? Because there's nothing that blesses the heart of God more than a person out of their own free will being willing to offer something to God who has given them everything. That's how you bless the heart of God. And so a free will offering. And what God is saying to you, and I wanna get clear to you today, is this, that if it's not in your heart to give, don't do it. If it's not in your heart and you're not willing, then you don't do it because it's, God is only looking for the willingness of people's hearts. He's not looking for amounts. He's just looking for willingness. And that willingness will get tested. Even if you're on the other side of this and you've been willing, I want you to know how the willingness is always tested as God continues to work to break down selfishness and insecurity and fear in our lives. Back in October, Lurie and I, wanting to be very much like King David, saying we wanna be an example for the leaders of our church and for all of you. And we would never ask you to do something we didn't do ourselves. And so we began to pray and say, God, move us to a place of extravagant giving above and beyond as an example to your people. And we did, and we did so willingly, and we limited our lifestyle to a place where we would give 25% of our gross income to Heartland Church and to Love Lead Launch, and we did it willingly. And we did it with joy, and we were excited, and our whole family knew, and we were glad to do it and to set that example. Well, over the months, I was, just this last week, I was driving to Chicago, and uh, on the way there, my mind was just thinking through the last several months, and I was kind of having a little bit of a pity party. You ever have a pity party about your life? And I was thinking about how much stuff had broken in my house since January when we started giving at this new level. I mean, I had a flood and a pipe burst and some other things broke and stuff we hadn't counted on. And, and folks, I want you to understand the significance of the sacrifice for us. You start writing checks of 25% off of the gross, that's a big chunk out. And then you have this, you know, uncle that takes another big chunk out and he's kind of having financial problems apparently right now. And uh, that's just gone. And then you have stuff that's unexpected come up and you're looking at what you have left. And, you know, I was having a pity party and I was going like, I, I actually thought, Lord, it's not even fair. Why do I have to give 25% and everybody else just gets off with 10? <laughs> and I was thinking that and I got a little, somewhere around the windmills, you know, up on the, on the trip, I hear this little whisper and uh, Darren, I never asked you for 25% of your income. It was like this strong little, I never asked you to do this. And he says, I thought you said you were willing to do it. I thought you wanted to. I thought you wanted to give over and above. What are you saying, you don't want to do that anymore? That you don't wanna do that, you just wanna go back to the bare minimum, is that it? And I immediately felt that conviction of the Holy Spirit, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. And I called Lurie, and we were talking on the phone, and I explained to her the story, and she says, no way. I'm sitting here doing the bills, and I'm having the exact same pity party that you've been having. <laughs> and, we were, and we recognize if we're having this at the same moment, then it's really one of those attacks. It's one of those tests that the enemy's playing on our minds. And so we just said, okay, no, no, we are willing. And we right there committed again, Lord, we are totally willing 
And we're, it's a joy for us to be able to do this. I want you to know something, friends. I love you. I'm so proud of you. I love what God's doing in your lives, but I want you to know something from my heart. Giving is never a requirement. You never have to give. You can come here for free. You, there's no requirement ever because God has no requirements for giving. But he is looking for people who are willing and for people who want to and for people who are willing to move to a place where God, like David, everything I have really is from you and how can I even say that I'm giving to you and everything that comes is from you and I want to and I'm, I'm glad to and I'm blessed to. What a change, what a transformation. This is what I want for you to experience, that freedom, that willingness, and the joy that comes along with it. And so I know that we're all at different places. Some of you made decisions and commitments way back in, the, in October with us. And some of you gave at the end of the year and made commitments that started in January. And some of you just a few weeks ago brought your card. And some of you are still holding on to that card, trying to figure it out, wondering, you know, it's in your program today. I mean, maybe you forgot that today was the day was even the first fruits offering. Maybe you came prepared. We're all at different places, and it's okay. Because God's dealing with you at your own pace and at your own speed. When we talk about over and above, over and above for you is totally different than somebody else's over and above. Do you understand that? That it's not to be compared with anybody else. And some of you, God is, the whole point where, where we can all share, though, is this, this spirit of willingness that we want to have hit everybody's heart. God, we're willing. Even if I can't do a lot, I'm willing to do what I can. And that's the second ask I have from you. Because it, the first ask I have is that I want every person who's a, a tender of Heartland Church on a regular basis to, to be willing to give over and above, whatever over and above is for you. I want that. But I also want you to be able to give according to your means, according to your capacity, to the measure that he has blessed you, wherever that is right now, with a very little or a lot, give according to your capacity. As I was filling out these thank you notes and just so encouraged and thankful this last week, and you have no idea how thankful I am for you. I can't stop telling you how grateful I am for who you are, uh, one of the cards that came across just blew me away, and I was not expecting it at all. It was a card from my daughter. Um, she's 17, she's going to, or she's 18, sorry, sweetie. <laughs> she just had a birthday. Stay young, please, I called her, stay little, just for a little longer. She's going to college in the, in the fall, and I'm sitting here looking at this card thinking, you know, I gave for our family, I didn't expect my kids, and, and here was this card, and, you know, um, not to embarrass her, but it was like $3,000 on the card. And I'm thinking, like a dad, like excited, kind of happy, but she can't give $3,000. She's going to college. She doesn't have that. And that's a lot. And why is she doing this? And I had all these questions, kind of proud, but kind of concerned that maybe she listened to one of my messages and got too fired up or something, you know. <laughs> So I went to her and I said, hey, sweetie, how, how does this work? Like, I'm so proud of you, but I don't understand. I don't see. And she goes, dad, it's just my tithe. Um, and what I think God's going to bless me with as I work my part-time jobs this year, and I want to do this. I was so humbled by that that I went away and I began to think, and, and, and the window that gives me into my daughter's heart, where her heart for God is. And, you know, when I started thinking about that, God spoke to me again. 
He says, Darren, don't you see what I've been doing in your kid's life since January? And I thought about it, and it's been incredible. What God has done, I, I wasn't even aware of it, but since January, what God has done and spiritually in all three of my children's life, how they have just launched. I mean, they loved Jesus before, but what I've seen God do in their hunger to know him and to follow him in the last 120 days is, is blowing my wife and I away. And I immediately realized, oh God, I'm so sorry for saying what I said earlier in the week because this is the blessing I really want. I want this more than anything in life. It's all a dad wants is to look at his children and say that they, they love the Lord their God with all of their heart and all of their mind and all of their soul and all of their strength. And that's what I want all of you to have, a total freedom, a love for God, the blessing of God on your family, the, the, the overflowing abundance of God's spirit permeating through every part of your family's life. And that's why we give, because we want to, not because we have to. I want to lead you in a prayer this morning, and I want you to think about where you are. I do want you to, to celebrate today. If you've been a person that made that commitment, just sit here and enjoy the joy, and thank God, and thank him for how he's brought you to where you are. If you're if you brought a gift today, your first fruit offering, get prepared to give that in just a moment. If, if you're still praying, God, he can talk to you in this moment. You could, you could write and fill out that little card in your program today or you could give an offering today. Maybe you need to go home and talk to your spouse about it and actually sit down and make the plan. And you can give online. You don't have to give here. Over almost 70% of you just give online now. And you can give next week or the week after. See, we're all at different places and there is no condemnation or judgment about your speed. Just do what God is telling you to do at your own pace and then respond with a willing heart and watch God do something awesome in your life. If you and your spouse talk, the one who gives the higher number, that's the one who's hearing from God. I just want you to know. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so I want to pray for you, though. I know, I know that you want God to bless you, and I know you know that he blesses a willing heart. So if you have a willing heart, will you close your eyes with me and just kind of hold out your hands in your lap kind of to receive? I'm not praying for this offering today. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God will bless you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of leading people to give willingly and freely. I thank you for the hearts of your people, the sacrifice that has been made. I thank you for people who have reprioritized and limited their lifestyle in order to put you first. And I thank you for that privilege. I pray right now that you will pour out a spirit of faith upon your people. May they trust you like never before. May they truly love you with all of their heart and all of their soul and their mind and their strength. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would pour out your blessing now upon every willing heart. Lord, I pray that you would bless their marriages Protect them from the enemy. I pray you protect their children from the enemy and you'd bless their children's lives. You'd protect them and give them health. I pray that you would bless their finances. Lord, give them rain in season. Lord, I pray that you would give them joy that passes understanding. I pray for the gift of peace. I pray that you would give them wisdom, Lord, to, to spot opportunity and to walk into it and the wisdom to stand back and let things that are not of you go. Oh God, I pray for the blessing 
blessing of discernment and of good decisions and of wise choices. I pray, Lord, that through all of this, you would bless your people to be a blessing. Lord, do something in us. Make us a church that truly believes, we're not here for us, that's willing to pour out what you've given to us on a hurting world and do it in such a phenomenal way that we're all blown away in just a few years to come at the amazing things that you've done as we serve our city, we serve our region, and we give to our world. God, I thank you for what you're gonna do. Bless your church and bless your people today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.